This may not come as a surprise to some people, but we just got back from another trip to Disney World. (laughs) And in that time, we were, um, Addie and Jonathan were off riding a ride, and Lily Grace and I were kind of holding a spot, waiting for a parade or something, I don't know, and I got into a conversation with one of the Disney cast members, ones that worked there, and somehow the story came up about dogs. And Lily Grace, anytime she talks about a dog, begins to tell the story of our Lil that passed away about a year ago. And she always says, yeah, Lil's not with us anymore. Her body's in the ground, but she's in in heaven with Jesus. And, you know, I kind of agree because I'm going to tell my child that all dogs go to heaven, you know, and I I guess I can say cats, but I just don't know about that. But, um... (laughs) Sorry, but we always ask that question, what happens when we die? We're looking at that today in the story of, when we look at our, our, our series of the Apostles' Creed. This is a second century summary of faith of the Apostles' teaching. And we're looking today, we're studying the, I believe in the resurrection of the body. We don't simply mean what happens to our bodies, But more importantly, is there any part of us that continues to live after our body has died? Is there more? Is there an afterlife? We get this question just about every time I have a funeral with families. Maybe those that question whether they believe or not, they they ask, is there something else? It was in Jesus' death and resurrection that Christians believe God gave a definitive answer. He gave an answer to this existential question of death and life beyond death. Jesus was clearly crucified, dead, and buried. His friends, those that followed him, his disciples, grieved and mourned his death. We do this any time when someone close to us passes. We grieve the absence of them from us. But those same Christians claim that on Sunday morning after his death on Friday, that Jesus stepped out of the tomb. They claim to have seen him, eaten with him, touched him, been taught by him for 40 days after his death. The tomb he was buried in was empty. People could go and see it. His disciples, who had gone into hiding after his death, afraid for their lives, boldly came into the streets to proclaim that he is risen. These were some of the same ones that the week before, just like us, were laying their cloaks in the ground, palm branches placed before, claiming Christ as king, the one that they were waiting for. But yet at his death, they go into hiding. But now that we know he came and has risen, skipping a little bit ahead in our series to Easter Sunday, we believe. And people like Paul, who had initially rejected Christianity, even persecuting Christians, claimed to have had an encounter, visions, and profound experiences of the risen Jesus in the years following this. Paul notes in scripture from 2 Corinthians 15, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at once. Most of them are still alive to this day. I believe it's with confidence that Paul could affirm that there's no question 
for him that we survive death. That he could write, quoting Isaiah 25 verse 8, death has been swallowed up by victory. He wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. This is what Jesus had said when he noted, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. So we hear this and we let our mind begin to wander. Again, I have a four-year-old. So shortly after this question with Lil being in heaven and then she starts naming every animal we have lost, fish and another fish. We're not good with fish, okay? We've lost several of them. But she then begins to ask me, what is heaven like? And I dream with her. I dream of streets paved with gold and relationships of people we will see again. The biblical authors have to use human experiences as its analogies because as Paul noted, God has prepared things for those who love him that no eye has seen or ear has heard or that haven't crossed the mind of any. You see, we, the one analogy that Jesus uses, we find in Isaiah and Revelation as well, is that heaven is like a wedding reception. Now, I've been to some bad wedding receptions, but I've been to some amazing ones as well. There's food and wine and dancing. All the people who matter most to the bride and groom and their parents, among the most joyous occasion in the lives of the bride and groom and hopefully their parents. It's a time of celebration, joy, laughter. But as we think about that analogy, we think about this phrase and the Apostles' Creed that still draws question, the resurrection of the body. I must admit that it, it finds me a bit perplexed. I'd rather not have this same kind of body. You know, I told Bill the one where his hair falls out, the one where you get wrinkles. I'd rather not have to weigh myself or deal with the boot and foot issues. You can come up with a laundry list of things you want different than this body, right? And if it's this body that is resurrected, at what age is it resurrected? Will I see my grandparents as I knew them? Or they looked like they did in their 20s and 30s? When we look at Jesus' resurrection, we see that his body was changed. Mary Magdalene, the first to see him, did not recognize him. Do y'all remember this in the scripture? She didn't recognize that it was him, and she thought it was the gardener. Two disciples walking to Emmaus thought he was a stranger. 
He had the ability to eat. We can eat in heaven, people, all right? Let there be rejoicing. (laughs) He had the ability to eat. The scars from his crucifixion were present on his hands and side. His flesh, they could touch. But he was also able to show up in a room where the doors were locked and he didn't need a key. He's in one place and then in another. These may be pieces of the puzzle regarding what our life will be like in heaven. Paul answers this question. A rotting body is put into the ground, but is raised, but what is raised won't ever decay. It's degraded when it's put into the ground, but it is raised in glory. It is weak when it is put into the ground, but it is raised in power. It's a physical body when it's put into the ground, but it is raised as a spiritual body. And when the rotting body has been clothed in what can't decay, and the dying body has been clothed in what can't die, then this statement in scripture will be happen, will happen. Death has been swallowed up by victory. You know, God does not need what was rotting in the ground to give you a new body. He doesn't need this actual presence we have. Your spiritual body is somehow connected to your fleshly body. The resurrection is not like a bad zombie movie or the walking dead that we see on TV today. It's nothing like that. Think back of the bodies of most Christians throughout history. They've been completely absorbed back to the earth. But here's where modern DNA work is interesting. We know that our bodies are the result of an amazing complex sequence of nucleic acids called DNA. It's this software, the coding of who you are. Surely God, who wrote the software that makes up life, either has our DNA sequenced or can create from scratch the body we will have beyond this life. What I love about the idea of the resurrection of the body is that we will not be this disembodied spirits. We will have a glorious body, not subject to disease or hair loss, but we will be touching and feeling, eating, drinking, experiencing, seeing a glorious body by which those who have known us will know us. So as we think of the Apostles' Creed and what we've studied, I invite you to trust in the gospel, to trust that God is, that he has come to us in Jesus Christ that by his spirit, he dwells in us to be part of a community of believers, the church, to accept and extend the forgiveness of sins and to take comfort and hope in the sure and certain knowledge that in Christ, death has been swallowed up in victory. So this week, as we head into Holy Week, I want you to reflect on the subject our culture urges us to avoid at all cost, death. Prayerfully ask God to help you understand 
fears and concerns you feel, when you think of the certainty that someday you will die. More important, ask God to grow in your heart the confidence Jesus sought to give all his followers. I quote now from John chapter 14, verses one to three. Don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house has room to spare. If that were the case, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me so that where I am, you will be too. Will you join me as we pray? God, you have brought us to this place to know your presence among us, to know how you are leading and teaching us here and now to be faithful followers of Christ, but to know that this life leads to the life to come. Lord, we proclaim Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. We know you are our King, our Lord, and you reign within us. Guide our footsteps, guide our words and actions that we would have the assurance of faith to know This life, this body is but yours. Guide us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.